And we're back with another episode of the Anarchist Experience, episode 212, aka season 3, episode 32, uh, coming at you this week. As always, I am your host, Mr. Rich E. Rich, along with MC. And we are glad to have you back, MC. Um, I didn't get in. I didn't get too into it. I just let people know that you were dealing with some family-related matters. So we're glad that those have, I guess, been resolved to some satisfaction. Even though you know there's still some issues lingering there, uh, but glad to have you back on the show. So welcome back, MC. Oh, thank you. And since MC is back, uh, that means we can sort of field phone calls. So I'm gonna give out those numbers, even though you guys don't know how to dial a phone. Uh, 303-335-9527 or 303-835-1301. That's 303-335-9527 or 303-835-1301. So what you got for us this week, MC? We know we talked a little little crypto business before the show started. Yeah, so I gave a little talk to uh, some uh, group in in a college. It was... was it was all right. Um, I leaned heavily on some videos this time. I think that helped it out a little bit. So, uh, just to make things, you know, uh, go smoother. Um, yeah. Got to so, start producing your own videos so that other people can use them in their presentations. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I, I think I think about doing a YouTube channel quite a bit, but I'm like, I'm not, I'm not sure that's my thing. And you know, there there is some actually really good content out there, especially in the crypto community and stuff like that so sure um so i'm i'm if there if there was absolutely nothing then i would do it but since there's so much out there already i'm just like yeah whatever so what was the what was the main topic of your presentation this time um well it's as always for me the the reason why i got into it is because i was anti-federal reserve so um it's it's like well so the the question is why Bitcoin? Well, because the Federal Reserve sucks. That's, that's pretty much it. It could have been anything, but Bitcoin just happens to be the best thing going right, right. now. And if it's not Bitcoin, my my conversation would have been like, well, we should use gold, and and now is the best time ever to use gold and silver because we can we can do everything digitally and we can move things, you know, blah blah blah, and you know, <laughs> that type yep. of thing. But um, but yeah, Bitcoin is better than gold because just because it's not backed by anything. Like if if we go to a gold standard, then you have to it's you know your currency is going to be backed by your your gold and somebody else's safe. And so, is is it your is it really your gold if it's in somebody else's safe? And that's kind of the the question that that Bitcoin solves. It's like, well, is it sure. really your Bitcoin? Well, I'm the only one with the keys, so yes, it's mine. <laughs> like not I your die, keys, not your yeah. Bitcoin. Okay, yeah. now I want to take a step back on that for a second because. You can you can consider possession to be nine tenths of the law or whatever, but we 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 live in a society where most people would have their money in a bank, right? Sure. And I know that there are anecdotal stories, an abundance of anecdotal stories out there of people having trouble getting their money in and out of the banks or transferring it to themselves, mm-hmm. and that kind of goes like, well, this would be so much easier with crypto. Um, and I don't dispute those claims, but I don't I I wouldn't say to them like well if you if you put your money in a bank well then it's no longer your money right if you put your gold in someone else's vault and you know you have a contract with them to hold it for you on your behalf right i don't i don't think you're giving up the gold or giving up the federal reserve notes um in that respect similar if you you know if you have your bitcoin uh, on an exchange 
right? For whatever reason, I don't, I don't think you go like, well, it's not my Bitcoin anymore. Um, there could be fraudulent activity that prevents you from accessing it, but that's, you know, across the board, right? If you don't want, if you don't want the gold vault, uh, the, the person with the gold vault to hold your gold, well, then you have to find a way to store it yourself, right? If you don't want the bank holding your federal reserve notes, well, then you have to find a way to store it yourself. If you don't want mm-hmm. the exchanges to have your, your Bitcoin and your keys, well, then you have to have your own, you know, your own hardware wallet or whatever, uh, your own private wallet, um, and store it yourself. So I don't, I don't think that that problem, um, is an exclusive federal reserve problem. I think that issue transcends all things. When you, when you entrust someone, you know, as a fiduciary, there's always a, a potential for fraud at some level, whether it's gold, Bitcoin or federal reserve notes. Right. It does. So what, so so when you're talking to these students about getting out of the federal reserve, well, um, well, the Federal Reserve is is bad because they print money and they give it to people that you might not like. True. Um, and, Bankers. And, you may, may, and maybe you do like corporations. Maybe, maybe you like the military industrial complex. Maybe you like the the big banking corp, you know corporations. Maybe you like the 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 other big corporations that get the big loans and and they get to buy up things while they're cheap and and uh, and you know whatever. So. Yeah, so if 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 you like all those things, then the Federal Reserve is, is a perfect system. Um, and but I don't. I, I hate those things. So, <laughs> okay. Um, and, that, and that's. But that's one of the reasons why it's going to fail is because they don't have a way to 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 stop the the printing press at this point. Um, interest rates are as low as they can go. Um, you know, they can do quantitative easing, and that's what that's what. Hilariously, uh, Donald Trump was calling for. Um, I think that was all politics. I think that was like, well, if if the economy goes down, then then, can, then Trump can say, well, you should have done QE. Yeah. And it's it's, and I'm sure in a way, maybe he, he's probably laughing like every day at, at just the the craziness of the system. But this, but it is what it is, right? I mean, like, he, he can't change it. <laughs> he can, yeah. He can fuck and it, with it. it. <laughs> and we we use this example all the time because it's the current one it's it's the one going on in you know current history right like th- this will be studied in the future but right now we're living through it um uh, and that's the inflation of the venezuelan currency the uh it's the bolivar right uh, and I, I i'm trying to find the article because i read a headline that it was like seven digit inflation sometime this year did you see anything did you do you know what i'm talking oh, about I, I don't know what it is currently but it's it's all it's already so bad to the point where people are just throwing the money in the street because it's yes. not worth holding on to and they don't have anywhere to put it. They just have too much. And <laughs> here we go from Bloomberg. I'm not going to read the article, just the number that I'm sorry. Sorry to interrupt, but I just found it. Um, for the forecast for uh, 2019 Venezuelan inflation is forecast to be 8 million percent. Wonderful. 8 million percent. Well, at one point, they, they couldn't even find anybody to print the money because they didn't have any money to pay for the printing. Yes, I remember. So, that. that was a few years ago now. So I don't. Yeah, I think it was about a year ago. But I, I don't. I don't know what the what their solution to that was. Maybe they're giving them oil or oil contracts in the form of their new cryptocurrency, the Pedro or whatever it is. Yeah, Petro, Hog Petro. futures. <laughs> We'll pay. We'll we'll barter with you for some some sort of commodity that we yeah. have in Venezuela. 
Yeah. So they they have a bunch of oil and they just can't figure out a way to, you know, benefit from it. So, uh, yeah, whatever. Um, well, the easiest way to be would, you know, pump it up and then sell it on the market. <laughs> so actually that leads me to the, the next thing I wanted to talk about on, on cryptocurrencies is that, uh, some countries are actually getting involved, uh, with with bitcoin and they're gonna offer crazy things like bitcoin bonds and stuff like that so that means government officials you know they wouldn't be doing this if they weren't in bitcoin themselves yep you know i mean i'm sure they're what do you call it personally personally invested yeah they Uh, own some they have their own wallet yeah so they're they're using their government power to uh enrich themselves and whatever and that's that's kind of the the theory be, behind you know so, some of the uh really big names in in bitcoin would you know have have predicted this and that there's basically no way around it um that that people are going to use their self interest uh and Bitcoin is the best money around, so that's what they're gonna that's what they're gonna use or this that's what they're gonna go go after. That's that's interesting. So here here now here's an idea, and I'm sure I'm sure someone has already thought of this. So it might be conspiracy theory, or it might be a good idea if you're looking to start your own cryptocurrency. And that's mine a bunch of it and then donate it to government officials. Right? If you if you give a government official like a million, you know, a million uh uh, new coins for I don't know what you want to call it, uh, and then incentivize them to to make that one you know popular and usable around so that they're sitting on you know their holdings of it, um, so sure. that when it does get po- you know populated through the rest of everybody and wide adoption on that specific one, then then they're making out like bandits. Yeah, but it's even better if you convince them to put their own money into it, and. And that way, they think it's their idea, and they and they think they they will think that it's a virtuous thing to do to pump up Bitcoin or other cryptocurrencies. Sure, uh, because because they came up with it. And, uh, but I don't think it's yeah. that hard to give a give a politician an idea and then just have them run with it and tell it, you know, pass it off sure. as its own. That's, <laughs> that seems sure. like common practice to me. Yeah, I mean, oh, I, I've got this great idea. At one point, I, a couple of years ago, I was I was thinking, well, you know, what what if we we could get the government to buy a whole bunch of Bitcoin and then it goes up ten times and then they go, wow, that was such a great idea, and then they you know just do it do it again. Yeah. Um. Um. But at the same time, I don't really want to help them out. I don't care. Like <laughs> they'll they'll find a way to screw it up or screw other other people over. So it's not. Well, it's but if, my, uh, if you're giving out a, if you're giving them a million and you're hanging on to five, right? No, I'm, I wouldn't give them anything. What I'm okay. saying is, like, co- convince the the government to to buy yeah. some Bitcoin as part of their their tre- treasury, right? So yeah, but not you like specifically. Would... Someone who's someone who's like got this new coin idea, right? If, if they mine themselves five and give a million out to some government officials, then you know they'll always have five times as much <laughs> as the officials when the you know when the sell off begins. I'm not saying I advocate it. I'm just saying sure. it's an idea, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. I wouldn't like. I I wouldn't. I don't want to finance the government either, or government officials for that matter. So, also, other some some countries are allowing 
cryptocurrency for entry into their country. So if you wanted to go to Venezuela, I'm told, I don't know how true this is, they accept Bitcoin, Litecoin, and the 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 local cryptocurrency for Venezuela, the, the Pedro or Petro or whatever it is. Okay. Which I don't like, even think you can buy on the market right now. Um, you're saying as like a bribe to get in? Or no, what do you mean to get in? As official... Uh, entry into the country like oh if you okay. want if you want to i don't know if it's for like to get citizenship or or yeah. just a, vi- a visa i guess i'm confused like what that. you mean by entry into the country like my, my plane lands <laughs> i'm in <laughs> yeah you're, you're playing lands and then if they they can turn you away if if you don't okay fulfill the government demands of whatever it is so, okay uh for the u.s it would be some type of passport or visa or something yeah or uh, yeah green card or but Venezuela, it could just be a you know a, a handful well, of Bitcoin you, or Litecoin. You'd have to buy buy your way in. Just well, yeah, there, yeah. There's lots of countries that you can you can pay the money for citizenship. Yeah, that sounds like a bribe to me. I mean, I mean, whatever you yeah. want to call it, but it's the, their their official way is now you can get <laughs> you can give them Bitcoin, Litecoin, and you can you can have legal entry into their country. So. Nice. Um. I want to change the subject ever so slightly because this has come to light within the last week, um, and I don't know how much you know about it. So I, if I'm putting you on the spot, um, forgive me. Um, uh, Bitcoin SV, Satoshi's vision. Are you are you familiar with that and what's going right. on? And so care to and care to enlighten me, number one, and then our audience by default. MC. I'm sorry. Oh, you. You're oh, done. yeah. What? 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 What do you know about it, and what's going on? Like, all I know is it's being delisted everywhere, and there's you know speculation and concern about you know about it, and I just I don't know enough, so I was looking to you for some insight. Um, I actually I forget what what Craig Wright did, but he was doing something that was uh, potentially you know toxic to the the Bitcoin community, and he was he was making threats and. And stuff like that, and so they said uh, no more. Um, so I, I think it's kind of strange. Um, so, so Bitcoin is just the, the vanilla, regular Bitcoin, right? Is the the biggest and the the it's basically the community-driven project. Um, not one person has any control over it. Um, but Bitcoin SV was created by Craig Wright, basically, and people who like him and and people who like his ideas and and so people who it's, believe it's, he's satoshi yeah it's 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 strange that you know one person would even want that much power over their cryptocurrency um that they're trying to promote right sure so so anyway yeah if if it if it gets too centralized uh or if even i guess even if the ideas are too centralized over one person uh then you then the consequences if that one person does something bad or stupid or says something, uh, that, that they can, uh, the, the exchanges can delist your, your crypto coin. And now that crypto is going to be just as, uh, tradable as any others, uh, person to person or on different exchanges or whatever, but on that haven't delisted Bi- it. Yeah. On Binance and Kraken and maybe, maybe some others it's, it's not listed there anymore. So it's just, you know, it's le- less tradable than other coins, um, at least on the exchanges. So. So aside yeah. from being associated with with him, do you see any uh, value or detriment to the coin itself, or is it is it kind of just 
well, all of its value is hedged on the man, and he's, you know. I, I don't think it's entirely hedged on the man. I think it, it, it has good properties, um, but it's still not Bitcoin. So it's like, okay. I, don't, I really don't even care. Um, yeah, because anybody can make a fork of Bitcoin and say, True. Well, this is, this is the, the one that everybody should be using. This is really Satoshi's vision. Bitcoin RSV. Right. So... Yeah. So anyway, who knows? It's it's a still still the same thing. Who knows which which cryptocurrency is going to win out overall? Nobody knows. Okay. Um, but for the for the moment, um, the longest chain is vanilla Bitcoin, and that's just going to be how it is for the <laughs> foreseeable future. Do you think delisting it from exchanges is? Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to put in terms of right and wrong, um, but a smart move on on the exchanges part, or does it does it isolate um, part of the community and i i don't think it's gonna affect the community all that much but i think it is a reality check okay you know, it's like how much do we re- rely on the exchanges for the value of these cryptocurrencies and how how valuable are these centralized exchanges now maybe we'll have a decentralized exchange coming coming up um i think binance is working on one and and some others are, are working on theirs, and what, what, but what does that mean? If it's decentralized, who, who who gets to choose which cryptocurrencies are on the decentralized exchanges? You know, and how do those get listed? <laughs> sure, so, by I, I, popular vote. Well, I don't even I don't even know how that would work at all. So you know, uh, is it, it doesn't really make sense to me yet. So I I'm just waiting to see how it all ends up working. Okay. Um, and I don't, again, I, I compare this just, you know, because there's not much else to compare it to, just like the regular stock market exchange. Right. Like who decides the value of these companies? Well, the market does, you know. I mean, people are buying and selling, all, yeah. you know, regardless but of the at, exchange. At the same time, you can't just say, I'm going to be on the NASDAQ tomorrow. You have to go through some big. Sure. Oh, did I lose you? If you're talking, I'm I can't back. Hear you. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I lost a mid sentence there. Yeah, my computer locked. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I got to pay more attention to my computer or lock me out. Okay. Um, Wiggle the mouse a little bit. Yeah, so I think it's it's a good thing that things like this, you know, shake shake up the market and make people, th- you know, reevaluate okay. the, how, how Bitcoin is related to the market and how how the exchanges are and, and all those things. Um, it, it is, uh, there is risk involved and, uh, you know, it's still a possibility the, gov- the government of the U.S. could say, hey, no more trading cryptocurrencies. Um of course, people still will. You can't. You can't yeah, stop just drive it under in that, in that way. Um, but will it make it more difficult? Sure. And will it hurt the value? Sure. Um, so, yeah, I don't so, have any feeling one one way or the other about Bitcoin SV. Uh, I okay. Don't have any uh, reason to buy it. I I don't care if it goes up or down. Um, and I really don't care about Craig Wright either. So okay. I I think it's. The, the, I guess the coolest thing about it is just the, the drama that it brings <laughs> and, and you know, any, any, any news is good news. And especially in crypto, it's like if, if things aren't happening, then, uh, then yeah, people are just going to forget about it. And I think, uh, I want to just compare this with all the other forks that have Bitcoin has gone through and they're too numerous to name offhand. Uh, but just one of those things where, you know, we, we, we always advocate for um, market competition and market regulation. 
and you know consumer regulation of companies in a market as best as possible. And again, I think this highlights one of the benefits of cryptocurrency and and Bitcoin as well, in that you are free to fork it off however you feel like it, you know, if you're, if you have the skill set to do so, Uh, but that doesn't mean people are going to value it as much as you think they are. Um, And so anytime a new Bitcoin fork like hits the scene, fails, and, you know, Bitcoin is heralded yet again as the original and the best one out there. Um, it just goes to show that it, it is out competing all the newbies that, you know, that come come into the crypto space, into the crypto market. And we don't we don't think that there should be regulation against that, but the that consumers are free to make their own decision. And in this case, you know, so what if the excuse me, so what if the exchanges are, are facilitating that decision by not letting you, you trade it on their platform for whatever their reasons happen to be? Um but even that, right? It's like, well, we don't we don't trust this coin. We don't trust the the proprietors of this coin. Um, so we're just not going to have anything to do with it. But you are still free to trade it as you wish, uh, just not on our platform. And if you have, you know, so so more more competition and more coins um, doesn't necessarily mean like saturation uh, in the marketplace and like you know bringing down the value of everything just because there's so many of them. Uh, mm-hmm. Bitcoin so far has you know maintained its top spot. Uh, through all of this and, you know, will likely continue. Um, yeah, well, I don't want to say for the foreseeable future, but in the near term, um, it doesn't look like anything's going to come around and, you know, take down the king of the mountain um, anytime soon. But more than welcome to try as, as often as possible. Anything else right crypto on. related? No, not right now. All right. So the other thing that I wanted to talk about, this, this was a big week for a lot uh, for a handful of news stories um, that aren't like article worthy, like when I do the headlines, because um, there's just so many out there that it doesn't matter like which one I pick. So it, I feel like the information is ubiquitous. I don't need to read an article, um, but we should mention, uh, at least bring up and discuss a little bit, the Thai seasteaders who are on the run and on the lam at this point uh, from the Thai government. Mm-hmm. Uh, some sort of violation of international law on the Thai government has to be. So uh, did um uh, a handful of people, I think you included MC, sent me a link to one of the articles about this. So I figured we could we could start there. Um, they basically they they set up their seastead, and we're big fans. Uh, I I am a big fan. I think you're a fan as well of seasteading, MC. Mm-hmm. Um, but they set up their seastead uh, in international waters uh, off the Thai coast, but outside of Thai territory, and then were promptly uh, raided and went on the run, and is now like you know outlaws of the Thai government and the Thai government has, you know, vowed to uh, dismantle the seastead out there. And, um, it's a hit for the, the freedom movement. And when you say like, well, if you just, you go out where no one else is before and you just, you know, stake your own claim if it happens to be on the water. Uh, but now we see how governments will respond to people who are trying to, uh, live free, uh, outside of their, their jurisdiction. So did, did I hit the high points of what's going on or do you have anything sure. to add there? Okay. Um, I've, I see, I've seen a few excuses why the government would want to stop them from, sure. from doing that. Uh, one of them is that, well, if you, if you put your, your, your country, you know, your little boat or whatever attached to the ocean floor, however you could do it, yep. uh, in, in some place in the water, uh, it, it might be in the way of shipping 
I don't know. Um, I don't know how difficult it is for a ship to account for all the possible, you know, countries that are, you know, little boats <laughs> in the water. Uh, you know, if, if it was to become a thing, um, you know, how would they navigate around that? And would they have to you know, update their maps and be like, oh, I got to make sure I don't run into these people, you know, um, or, or would they even care? Would they just, you know, run over it and be like, Oh well, <laughs> they were in my way. <laughs> Considering how big the shipping ships are, I think they would just run run through it like it was like a sandbar and just, just right. keep on going. <laughs> and, like, I, I mean, Captain, I we hit know. something. Don't worry about. It. So, uh, I, I don't know how how they avoid other obstacles either. I'm not. I I, I don't have any uh, seaworthy experience, so I don't know how difficult it is. But I I do know that uh, the the military tried to make radio contact with them and they didn't respond. And, uh, I think that's probably when they fled. So, cause they have no obligation to respond sure. because they're in international waters on their own and don't have any obligation to any, any government at that point. Um, except for ones that are now, you know, attacking them, aggressing against them, sure. um, and causing them to flee. So I guess, you know, the, the the new country didn't have a big enough army to repel Thailand's government, so, um, so that's that. I mean, <laughs> I kind of that's the this, saddest part about I, this well, whole thing. I I thought it was going to be a lot more legal stuff before the, you know, be, before they got chased away. Um, so I don't I don't know what would have happened if they. I, I'm assuming they haven't been arrested yet. Uh, the, the latest I saw there on the run, um, she more, more so than he, I, I don't know where he's at because she, her because whereabouts are Thailand unknown. Or? Yeah, I think so. Okay. But I haven't, so, I haven't gotten an update that I haven't seen an update that said they were arrested or caught or captured or killed or anything like that. Yet. Yeah. But that's, that's the thing. If you claim to be from, uh, your new country that you're creating, um, well, why would any other country defend you? I'm not uh, suggesting that any other country has the obligation to defend them. Mm-hmm. However, it's it's an unfortunate situation where where they let, they are in international waters, living peacefully, right? They're not aggressing against anybody else, um, and then a government, right, decides to bully and take over, right, right. And, and and to put them out. And it's it's unfortunate that in in the case of any other seastead. Wherever they end up having to be, it's going to take defensive force sure. to repel an aggression, and it sh- right. it just shouldn't even have to happen, right? I mean, well. is that is that the <laughs> understood? I, mean, I, I hear you, but that I mean, this is this is the the what you know? It's what government does. They bully people, so right. I mean, I, that's uh, that's the thing. Like, you, if you want to do something on your own, then you have to be able to. Um, with, you know, resist. And if, you, and if you can't resist, then you're just going to get run over. So, <laughs> right. So, so, and so every government with a border, right. Boarding another country, the only reason they haven't invaded is because they fear repercussions from the other country. There's, there's like no peace amongst governments, just always the threat and a uh, threat of force and the threat of defensive force or retaliatory force. Like that's it. The only reason nations have borders is because everyone's, everyone in the in the government is living in fear of some sort of like military attack right otherwise they could have just been peaceful right oh they're not attacking us 
they're not using our resources. They're not, you know, they're not trying to take over Thailand. They don't, they're just, they're just there and fuck it. Let them be there. Right. But no, you know, as soon as they set up shop, however, you know, it was only what a couple of days or whatever, a very short amount of time that they were out there, um, before they faced like the, the military might of the Thai government. Right. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't even like, Oh, do you have anything of value to trade? Like, what can you do? Or you still going to have to like, you know, if you, if you need supplies, you're still going to have to come in and, you know, do whatever documentation necessary. But as long as you're out there, cool. No, it was, you know, as as soon as that became a viable thing to do, it must be crushed. And it's, Mm -hmm. it's sad that that's the case. Um, and like I'm saying, I, I get it. That's what governments do. Um, but you, you would think that there would be a way to, to live peacefully outside their jurisdiction. Um, if even they recognize their own jurisdiction, right. They were not even in Thai waters or in Thai, you know, the, the, um, the geographic area controlled by the Thai government, right. They were beyond that. They were, you know, in international waters. It it is now. (laughs) Cause they took it over. They're controlling it now. So, and it's again, it's 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 sad to think that that's what it's going to take, right? For for everyone's you know everyone preaching a peaceful uh, transition to a free society, right? This 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 can be considered a wake up call that it's likely not going to happen as easy as you think, because as oh, soon as you prove your freedom, we already, we already know that. I mean, we that's we the, know that. Ameri- well, the American Revolution was like, hey, we're going to do this. And they're like, fuck you. And then we we're like, no, fuck you. <laughs> uh, so. Right. But yeah, there's also it, a lot of peaceniks in the liber- in the liberty movement and the libertarian, you know, under libertarian ideals. There's a lot of, you know, uh, transition through peace and, you know, peaceful secession and, you know, uh, yeah, peace that, that is the way. Great, and that would be the ideal. And that's why I kind of I. I I don't know. I, I had I had high hopes for uh, the seasteading, um, but obviously there's more. a whole bunch of there's, there's a whole bunch of questions that that haven't been answered. Like what would what would happen? Um, maybe maybe Thailand's maybe that not the best neighbor to have. Oh, well, obviously now we can tell that. Yeah. Um, maybe there are better neighbors uh, to be had somewhere else, um, and and maybe it'll come down to. Uh, uh, some some type of you know you, you got to pay the king and then and then then everything will be okay so make some yeah. tribute to the king uh, pay some t- type of tax and then your neighbor will let you be uh, maybe i don't know sure and i think this should be considered an international act of war um whatever weight that that carries yeah. um the the other one that gets brought up is the um the the economic free zone in honduras um, I've had a couple of conversations uh, with Mark Edge, a free talk live about it off air because we just talked during the breaks. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was, you know, I, my concern of that was, well, when it becomes prosperous right after they you know, if, if, if that economic free zone takes off and becomes prosperous, what's to stop the Honduran government um, from overthrowing it at that time? He goes, well, they have a contract, right? They have, they have a 20 year <laughs> contract. I'm like, well, well, so fucking what? Right. Yeah. Um, and he said, well, at that point, if they did take it over, it would be an international act of war. Right. So th- the economic free zone could have like recourse in the UN, but they would win the international war if there's no other nations coming to defend you. So 
right. That's, and that's what that was my my point was you, you keep saying well this is this is a, an act of international war taking over the seastead next to sure. thailand well they won so what you know <laughs> yeah well is that is that all it takes you know pretty much i mean that's 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 what happened and what's the point of, what's the point of having a un council on anything then if you know if they're if well, they're, if there's no government yeah, the, but the the idea of it, I'm not disagreeing with you, but the idea of it, right, is if there's an international conflict, there's an there's an oversight body uh, of, of of nations, right, mm-hmm. saying like, well, that was the wrong thing to do, and you have to pay back, you know, whatever it well, sure. took from that so, country. So I guess you'd have to get the UN's permission to to start your nation, and you'd have to get some of those nations on, on your side uh, to make it not worth uh, being attacked. So, yeah. Otherwise, if that's, the, if that's the way you want to do it, but most of the people in the libertarian community don't don't appreciate the UN, UN or or don't, I don't deal with them. So yeah, because all it is is another level of centralized government, and and yeah, they got people on the you know human rights commission that are from Saudi Arabia. You know, it's like that's not good. <laughs> So the alternative to that is before you build your seastead, you know, your seastead nation or your seastead house, you have to raise a seastead navy to defend it. Right? Sure. You can't you can't prop up a seastead and then and then start building your defensive. You have to have your defenses in place first mm-hmm. uh, for fear of retaliation and and takeover and invasion. Right. Yeah. That so, adds a whole new wrinkle to things. Yeah. But that's that goes back to my point. It's like, well, uh we don't have anywhere else to go. Um, the ocean is a place to go, uh, but you're going to have to have enough people and uh, enough uh, coordination to to make it work. And there's there's no there is no market basically in the in the middle of the ocean yet. So sure. there's there's nothing. It's like uh, you know at one point people were leaving Europe to come to a place where there was more opportunity. It doesn't exist in the middle of the ocean yet. It has to be created first. And if if, if all the nations of the world uh, collude against anybody setting up a a seastead uh, economy that works, uh, then you know if it just never kicks off, it never kicks off. And if if it does, then it maybe it'll work. But um, well, at this point, it's not even. It looks like it won't get even kicked off because you know yeah, someone and, has to be and, first. They were first, and they got overrun real quick. Unless somebody finds a good neighbor that says, "Hey, you know, we, you know, we appreciate this, and it'll be good for us too." Okay, and and that that could happen. Um, there's there are forward-thinking governments and places in the world, and there's uh, a little bit more liberal and less less warlike uh, countries. Uh, so maybe it was just maybe, maybe a was, Nordic uh, seastead. Is that you know? Up north, um, where it's cold, and their police maybe, officers don't be killing people all the time, or maybe South America. Okay. Well, you have that. You have the the uh, economic free zone in Honduras, so maybe you know, off of the coast down there, somewhere near that, sure. there could be some trade amongst free people. Yeah, yeah. So I don't I don't know if it's going to take coordination between all the people who believe in that idea and just all go to one spot or. You know, I I don't know. I don't know what it's going to take. Maybe it's maybe it's going to take another hundred years. Uh, you know, double the population of the Earth right now, and then something will just happen. So I don't know. Because there'll be no more land left for people to 
I mean, not that there's, it's there's oversaturated. Yeah. But um but get by, us to Mars, time, Elon. The the technical te- technological and the the benefits of a a seastead will be more apparent, I think. Because I, I think there is money to be made on a sea based uh platform. Sure. Uh, and especially one that has that basically is an economic free zone. So that that's what I think it would have to be pitched to whatever neighbor you're going to have and saying, Hey, we're going to make an economic free zone and it's going to benefit you guys as well. You know, you, got, you know, you guys have you know, access to all these things that we're going to provide. Um, what about a corporate sponsored Seastead? Like if Walmart put like a store out there and put up you know, <laughs> houses around it. Yeah. The only, only problem with that is that if, if they didn't like what Walmart would was doing, then they'd find a way to economically punish them in other areas. And so sure. they, they would be resistant to do doing that. All right. Just throwing it out there. But sure. It would be great. <laughs> I mean, cause I mean, you know, one of the, one of the, uh, uh, oppositional points that I had to the current economic free zone, um, is the, the way that, uh, Mark edge was describing it to me was basically that there's going to be like one oversight company that handles justice and infrastructure. I go, well, that kind of takes a lot of the freedom part right out of there. You know, like I understand, I, I get, you know, a common law judicial system and, you know, uh, an arbitration. Um, but having the economic free zone, right. That's, that's when you can like throw up your hands and wave and say like, look, you know, freedom, loving, liberty, individuals and anarchists and capitalists, uh, you can be the infrastructure provider, right? You can be the ones who build the roads and charge for access or put in the water pipes and charge for water or run the fiber optics and charge for internet, right? And But they're like, well, no business would go there unless the infrastructure is already there. And I go, well, that's kind of, that's a self-defeating purpose then, right? If, then, then it's just, you know, a big corporate city, uh, as opposed to an economic free zone, if one corporation runs all the infrastructure as well as the justice system, <laughs> that doesn't doesn't seem like a positive thing either. Um, but yeah, I don't know. But who knows? My, Bill Gates was talking about making it in his city in Arizona or something like that. I don't know. I, I haven't checked up on that recently. So, and, and depends how hands off it is, right? If he goes like, "This land is for you," right? The the only thing you must pay. You know, the only thing you must pay at that point is, you know, to to purchase or lease the land and then to have access to the judiciary, right? For for any sort of land disp- or land or rights disputes. Oh, if, if if you if you designed it, that's what it would be. But if if it's Bill Gates doing it, he'd be making a, a te- te- technological wonder and you'd have to uh use the services that he provides and stuff like that. And you'd have yeah, to pay. Does- yeah. And that's kind of what this economic zone seems like it's lining up to be. Like I said, they, they, they're like one company doing the infrastructure and then charging everyone else for access to it. And I go, well, that's yeah. stupid. Just let let the business come in and provide the infrastructure and see how that works. Do they want to build the whole road or just half the road on one side, you know, for whatever reason? But we'll see. Lots of stuff going on. Um, lots of experimentation that should be allowed. And, you know, like the Seastead would have been nice if it was... I saw one quote from the guy and he was like, you know, for, for as short a period of time, it was, and this is not the full quote, but the idea of it was, you know, for the shortest period of time, he was like the freest person in the world. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like there, and that's an, that's, that would that's have been an amazing feeling. 
Well, he had he had his own seastead in international waters, and until he got invaded by the Thai government, right? It was it was his and only his, and he had no obligation to anybody else but himself, and no no forced obligation uh, from any other government up until he got invaded. So in in that interim, right? Like if you you take your boat out into the middle of nowhere and you know owe, owe no allegiance to anyone. Um, and you can survive on your own or by, by trading, you know, goods and services with others. Um, that must be a pretty good feeling to have, even if it's brief. Mm. Right. Even for us. I, I, right? I think, I think it's over, overly optimistic. Um, I, I mean, I get the point, but, yeah, uh, definitely, definitely not enough for me. <laughs> no, true. But, but I mean, so, even for us to go, what would happen, you know, if you had your, if you had your anarchy, Right, some gang would take over, and you would be just as oppressed as you were before. I go, yeah, but for that brief few years, right, where there was no, you know, no obligation uh, put upon me by any overarching gang of thugs out there, right, I would trade that freedom. I, I think you know, I would trade for that freedom. I should say. I think part part of freedom is is when other people respect what is yours. And that obviously didn't happen because the Thai government was like, no, it's not really yours. Yeah. So, so what, what I would say is I wouldn't feel like a success until, you know, I had my seastead and I have some, you know, economic activity happening there, you know, profitable growing. And on top of that, maybe some fishing and I some could, hydroponics. No, maybe I could go other places. Sure. And, and and be welcomed to other places and be like this is where i'm from i'm from this seastead call it yep. uh matt's land um mattlandia and, and then so and and then be able to you know freely come back to it um i think those things have to be you know for me to say okay i'm free and this is a successful uh, operation um even if it only lasted a year um, th- that, that would, it would have to be that level of freedom. Sure. Uh, not, not just, well, I exist in the middle of the ocean, so that makes me free. I don't, I don't think that's freedom. So I, I, I agree. My, it's like the my, people that uh, run off into the woods. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's the thing. If I wanted to do that, I, I could, I totally could. Um, yeah. that's not enough for me. <laughs> I, I, I think being free in civilization is, is important. Uh, yeah. not just being free alone that. It's uh, kind of defeating in a way. <laughs> yeah. Well, and when most people weigh it out, right, being part of civilization is more important than being free. Because, sure. you know, you could go disappear, but, you yeah. know, being part that, of something, having the economic resources is of higher value. That's one of the biggest ways that the statists will will call out people uh, that, that want freedom. They'll be like, well, you know, why don't you just leave? It's like, well no why don't you just leave me alone <laughs> you know <Yeah>. like <laughs> why does my freedom why is my freedom contingent upon you know you being aggressive and, and they'll say well it's because you're part of society and like no it's because there's a whole bunch of assholes around that this is know, the don't... price you pay for civilization sure yeah but we should have it both ways right we we should be able to be free and civilized i, th- right. I think they would go more hand in hand than being unfree and being bullied and, you know, barbarized. Is that a word? From the barbarians. Uh, right. Always looking to harm you. Right. All right. 
Anything else on seasteading? Nope. Or living free? Um, I don't, we don't have to get into it because I touched on it last week because it's you know a little bit older. Uh, but I wanted to give you the opportunity uh, to comment if you had any on the uh, Julian Assange arrest, uh, founder of WikiLeaks, and any implications therein. Yeah, I mean, um, the one of the conversations I had recently was about the you know differences between people on the right and the left, and Jordan Peterson would say people on the left are more open and people on the right are more closed. So they care about, you know, the more borders, the better, you know, and, and people on the left would be, are more open to uh, change and new ideas and just, just no, no borders at all. Just like open it up and let's you know, see what happens. Um, and there, but there is, there is a middle ground. And I think that's where libertarians are. It's like, well, I like walls, but uh, my walls go where my property ends. And that's, yeah, that's, that's, you know, that's what's mine. And that's, that's where, that's where the walls go. You don't go around everybody else's shit too, you know? Like, yeah. There's, there's no uh, collective wall. <laughs> right. It could and be, then, but it doesn't include, but you have to like, you have to buy into that collective. It's not like, you know, because you're yeah. in the wall, inside the wall, you're part of it. Like, no. So, um, so yeah, there's, there's definitely differences between the way left and right people think. Um, and there's I, I I really feel that there's something special or maybe maybe we're all retarded I don't know but <laughs> uh, something special about libertarian ideology uh, we don't fit inside either of those left or right boxes sure. and so the, with the Julian Assange thing it's it's, it's very apparent uh, now now both the left and the right at least in the media uh, are against. Assange and uh, and in in the government and uh, any type of uh, uh, collective, they're they're they don't like Assange because uh, he's digging up dirt on people, right? on everybody. Like he doesn't care, the right? Yeah, and and it's so it's so it's just really funny to see them all scrambling to to put him away. It's and, a bipartisan attack on one man, and not just put him away, but make up stuff. You know, like, oh, Assange is a hacker. It's like, no, not really. <laughs> um, so, yeah, he, he was definitely, I think he was in, encouraging people to steal secrets. Yeah, so that's that how you get the information out. Get them out. Um, yeah, I'm sure the establishment doesn't like that, but, you know. It puts American on. lives at risk. <laughs> yeah, well, so does the government. <laughs> Daily. Yeah, the, gov- the government in the in St. Louis, where I'm from, they put uh, radioactive dust in the in the air, and they uh, from the top of a building, and they had this machine that would spread out the radioactive dust so they could measure the effects on uh, on the uh, on economic uh, on non voluntary participants. Yeah, well, on the poor people yeah. that live there, they they, they were. <laughs> sure they're the course, easiest to experiment on yeah it's, who it's are they just, gonna who are, who's gonna come to their defense it's it's insane that that it's, somebody actually thought this was a good idea and made up plans and then told other people to do it um and then other people did it you know it's like it's it's really crazy <laughs> um so yeah anyway yeah government kills a lot of people and it's it probably is the, the biggest threat 
to humanity yeah. and it's, that's that's been proven in other countries um but it's still you know people people behind it and uh and shining thing, a light on the madness is more of a crime than the actual crimes themselves yeah Right. You can, if, as long as we can get away with it, it doesn't matter. But if someone starts to, to show what we're doing and to inform others what we're doing, then that's the guy. That's the real criminal that must be stopped. And that's where Julian Assange finds himself. Yeah. So I, I don't know. Is, I guess he's in, in prison somewhere, right? Um, I think, well, he was, he was at the Ecuadorian embassy. He got arrested by British police. And I think he's in British custody awaiting um, extradition to the United States. Last I heard. So is he still in Ecuador or is he in, in Britain? Well, he was never in Ecuador. He was in the Ecuadorian embassy in oh, London. Oh, embassy in, in London. Okay, I'm yeah. sorry. Um, all right, so he's so he's still in England. and Last time. Maybe, yes. maybe coming to the U.S. Okay. Yeah. And, and you um, know, it's, it's a joke, but it's the very real threat that, you know, he'll have an unexpected suicide uh, prior to getting here, right? Because that's always an option. <laughs> you, you laugh, yeah. but I, I, I consider it to be a real threat. Uh, sure, sure. Given given the uh, track record of of governments when it comes to high profile individuals like this, yeah, yeah, easier just to kill them off than to have the public display and give them you know a fair trial or anything like that. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, and it, it, if if he if he came to the U.S., there's there's a chance he could get away. You know, he could <laughs> uh, hire lawyers and and all that stuff. Um, so it, yeah. it'll be interesting either way. I, um, I don't think he'll get bail at all. That's just an act, you know. No. He's no. going to be under surveillance and watch the, almost probably oh, yeah. until I mean, they put him away for good. Yeah, I mean, that's the object is, is put him away for good but or kill him. But um, but he, he's, he's got, I mean, all the facts are on his side, basically. And he's not, not only was what he was doing was was probably legal um but also something good you know <laughs> yeah well i mean not good for hillary but <laughs> not good for anybody in the government or the military or any any other state function that's doing you know immoral things not necessarily illegal things right to to again to have that light shown on them to so everyone sees what they're doing yeah All but right. i I always think it's funny because the, the the people in the government are so worried, like, oh, if 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 people find out, then that'll be the end of it. Like, well, people found out, and you guys are just doubling down and getting worse. And it's <laughs> um, yeah. So I don't I don't know why they're so afraid of being having a light shine on them because you know what people are pussies and they're not going to stop the government. Um, they're going to keep going to work every day, you know, working for the government, doing the same thing they always do. Um, so I don't I don't know why they they have to praising double down. it, advocating for more government intervention. We need or, because of these leaks, we need more government security. Well, exactly, and that's that's what I don't understand. Like you know, these these things happen, and then they say, well, now we need more uh, international spying and more uh, black ops type stuff, and more drone bombings, and it's like their their fear is so irrational. That yeah, it's just, I I don't understand it. Yep. All right. Anything else? I think we can get into a couple of headlines. Go for it. All right, real headlines. Uh, starve the tax man. Uh, headline: Bump stocks. 
And finally, headline, California plastic bag bans spurs 120% increase in sales of thicker plastic garbage bags. There's like a bus pulling up or a plane landing. It's a concrete truck. (laughs) It was like the screechiest brakes I've heard in a while. Uh, Any place in particular you want to start this week, MC? Uh, Anywhere is fine. All right. Um, Let me see the length of these things. You know what? We'll go a little bit over, but let's do Starve the Tax Man, because that's always my favorite thing. Um, <laughs> you know, it, e- e- either, either don't pay your taxes or shut up, basically. Uh, Americans are dodging income taxes at a growing pace. They have good reason to do just that. Taxes are, as per a handy Internal Revenue Service Guide for Students, require payments of money to governments that are used to provide public goods and services for the benefit of the community as a whole. Yet our politically divided countrymen find little agreement on, over what constitutes a benefit or appropriate payments and often act as if government is better used to punish enemies than to help anybody. That has in turn fueled an understandable reluctance to cough up cash for what's offered. In the, in the latest IRS figures, voluntary tax compliance for 2008 to 2010 is 81.7% of the revenue of federal government believe it's entitled to collect, and that's down 83.1% in 2006. The slide does not support concluding that noncompliance has increased, say the taxmen, but that's pretty much what they said when disappointing numbers prompted then-Senator Max Baucus to call in 2004 for 90% compliance by 2010 a deadline he later extended to 2017. That's not the direction things moved. We should hope those numbers head over the cliff's edge in the years to come. Good government types like to justify taxes by citing Oliver Wendell Holmes, who called them the price we pay for a civilized society. But they'd be well advised to remember the words of Thomas Aquinas, who believed governments were entitled to impose taxes for the common good, but that if they extort something unduly by means of violence, it is robbery, even as burglary is. In his classic 1993 book, For Good and Evil, The Impact of Taxes on the Course of Civilization, The late tax historian Charles Adams pointed out that people instinctively in all ages have called taxmen robbers because they operate by threats and intimidation and don't pay for what they take. Resentment brews too because taxes do not fit any traditional definition of a voluntarily incurred debt. A tax is owed because a government orders it to be paid, Adams added. Nothing else is required. Maybe that's all right if what you've what you're ordered to pay for benefits you in an obvious and desirable way. But if you deeply resent the forced extraction of your income so that it can be spent on wars of aggression, corporate subsidies, welfare payments, punitive law enforcement, or other purposes you find abhorrent, any budding appreciation is likely to die on the vine. War tax resistors have a long and proud history of trying to deny fuel to the military machine. After years of public life, libertarian icon Carl Hess lived a life of barter to deny the state any undeserved pound of flesh. It's even worse if you live in a fractured society in which the factions have turned against one another. 21st century America, say, and the instruments of the state are used to bludgeon with which to harm a temporary ruling clique's perceived enemies. The Obama administration's 
Operation Choke Point used regulatory powers to intimidate banks into denying financial services to legal businesses such as payday lenders and gun retailers that had lost the support of the rulers of the moment. Likewise, the current president threatens burdensome taxes and antitrust investigations on disfavored companies and media operations. Nobody pretends these moves are anything other than punishment for those who have rubbed the ruling class the wrong way. Funding for these abusive government efforts comes courtesy of the IRS. The tax agency itself has a long history of politicization in high-profile cases, including the recent targeting of Tea Party groups and President Richard Nixon's harassment of political enemies through the special services staff. It never occurred to me at the time that the IRS could be used as a political tool. Former Revenue Officer Richard M. Schickel wrote uh, uh, tips about alleged tax evasion in his self-published 2015 memoir, IRS Whistleblower. Every case in the IRS is coded as to the source of information. As you can imagine, if you got a code that said the case was from the White House or Congress, that got top priority. Adams, the tax historian, agreed. The executive branch of the government has used the IRS to harass, punish, and even destroy businesses, prominent individuals, unpopular political organizations, senators, congressmen, just about anybody, he wrote. Even more threatening and dangerous to the nation is the abuse of power by the IRS itself against those people it doesn't like. Senator Edward Long and Joseph Montoya were both toppled from power when they sought to have the Senate hold hearings on IRS misdeeds. To some employees, the taxpayer is the enemy, Schickel said. Uh, given that, it's no wonder the tax collectors are so easy to weaponize. One need merely turn them loose against a population they already despise. A system that allows billionaires to exist is immoral, insists Representative, Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who plays to her hipster socialist based with vows to slap punitive taxes on the prosperous. A small group of families has raked in a massive amount of wealth American workers have produced, agrees Senator Elizabeth Warren, who wants to confiscate part of their accumulated assets. I can't wait to tax Howard Schultz back into the middle class, tweets progressive colonist Ian Milheiser after the former Starbucks CEO floated a possible independent presidential run. They will be taxed like never before. President Donald Trump threatened after motorcycle manufacturer Harley-Davidson announced plans to move some production overseas in defiance of the president's nationalistic economic policies. That echoes his vow to punish Amazon for criticisms of his administration published in the Washington Post, owned by the retail giant's founder and CEO Jeff Bezos. Forget the idea of forced payments for undesired benefits. Here we have malicious political actors threatening to inflict punitive taxes enforced by historically abusive collectors against people they dislike. It's a weaponized tax system funded by what it extracts from its victims. A voluntary compliance rate of 81.7% and dropping for a government that has seen a decades-long decline in measures of public trust, that level of compliance is surprisingly high. And why are people so willing to turn over their hard-earned income to the tax man? The power of the IRS is the power of fear, Schickel explained in his book, and fear can go a long way towards propping up unpopular regimes. But fear will only take you so far. A government that shackles its people with grossly inequitable tax laws and despotic enforcement practices loses all moral persuasion with respects to compliance and can hardly complain if its taxpayers resort to all kinds of schemes to protect themselves, including illegal ones, Adams warned in his book. So far, taxpayers have chosen to protect themselves in quietly growing numbers with minimal drama. Unless they're given reason to reconsider, we should expect and hope that their rebellious ranks will grow. Uh, your thoughts, MC, on starving the tax man.
Um, well, recently I had a conversation with an economist about this uh, issue, well, about, about taxes. And uh, one of the ideas, one of the things that happened was that the, the IRS itself was given a, a pay cut, or not a pay cut, they are given a, a, a smaller budget to work with. Um, and the concern is, well, if they have a smaller budget, maybe they're moving towards computers and they're, they're more efficient. And actually, I don't, I don't really think that's the case. I think that uh, the, what the, the IRS believes is that most people are just going to pay because they're, uh, they're fearful of, of the consequences of not paying. And that's just kind of what is keeping the whole system going at the moment. Yep. And, uh, the fear, like the article said. Right. Um, and I think the IRS doesn't care about people avoiding taxes legally or illegally, um, yet. And maybe, maybe that will change. Um, I don't know, but, uh, I think they, they probably just don't know how many people are not paying or, uh, or, or how much people are using le legal loopholes, uh, to to uh, to pay less than maybe they should. I don't know. Right. Sure. Well, even Bernie Sanders is caught up in that, right? He was socialist for everybody until now. I'm a millionaire, and then he releases his tax returns, and everyone realizes he's a millionaire. And his response was, "I pay what I owe. Why why should I pay more than what I owe? This is it says it's what I owe. But, that's what I pay. But but does he really? Did he really pay that as much as he he owes or? Well, or legal loopholes aren't illegal, so if he, I know, but how how many loopholes did he use, though? Is my question. I, I didn't look into it. I don't know. I don't know either. I don't I don't have the answer. But if it's a loophole, it doesn't matter how many he used because it's a loophole. Like it's right. you know that's what loopholes are. Sure. <laughs> like, how many can you get away with and still say like I I broke no law? This is what the I my, I, I hired a tax guy. He put payable all my taxes. This is what he said I owed. That's what I paid. They agreed. That's what I paid. Um, you know, uh, uh, but you know, if his tax plan passes, right. If he gets his way, um, his tax rate, uh, because of the bracket he's now in would, uh, raise substantially. Uh, maybe, but, um, or just everybody else. He's the millionaire so, that doesn't have to pay. Well, the thing tax. is he's, he's already made his millions. So sure. he's less likely to care about raising an income tax on, future generations because he's already got his so okay um and that that happens a lot with politicians and uh or or just the the establishment you know that they're, they're already there they don't care uh if you raise taxes now um so what i what i would think would be interesting is if there was a law that would i mean i'm not saying do it but um if there was a law that said well we can't raise income tax unless we also raise uh, equal, equal amount of wealth tax. Okay. And so if they want to have a, an extra 5% tax on income, they would, they would have a 5% wealth tax also. Um, would the establishment ever increase taxes if, if that was the case? Um, now, people that don't have any uh, established wealth, they wouldn't care about a wealth tax. You know, they live paycheck sure. to paycheck. They, they, you know, have a mortgage. They, they, they owe more than they're worth, right? <laughs> yep. uh, it's like fifty percent of the country or something like that. Um, 
but they're not the ones making the laws, right? So, <laughs> so uh, um, a wealth tax never even talked about or considered. Um, so I, I wonder what would happen if, if, uh, if that was a possibility. Sure. And that's one of the reasons why we, we surmise that the uh, property tax is so low in Hawaii, right? Oh, so, yeah. Because all the rich people already own the property. And so they want to minimize their tax burden as much as possible. So there's sure. no, the, the property taxes are low, yeah. uh, but it's, it's prohibitively difficult for anyone, you know, middle class or working class to yeah. afford those properties or to afford, you know, because they're, they're the ones being burdened with the income taxes. Yeah. It's, it's really hard. I mean, I mean, you know how it is. <laughs> yep. Work, work three jobs just to get by. It's like, <laughs> you never, it's, it's, it's almost impossible to get ahead yeah. uh, if you don't own property here. That, that you can then, you know, rent out and get the rents from that, you know, mm -hmm. to, to assist, right? Like, you know, my, my old landlord, um, I'm because they were older, I'm sure they got that place, you know, when it was more affordable in their generation. Um, but I, I, I know where they worked and I don't know, I don't think they would have been able to make their tax, you know, their tax payments or mortgage payments if they had one on the house uh, without my rental income. Cause it, you know, it's, it's, they weren't they weren't well off. They weren't like upper class, you know, landlords, you know, they were, they were working class, you know, they're, they're, you know, working class, two kids, um, adult kids that lived at home and, you know, they, they needed it. You know, I know they needed it. So it's rough. It's, it's rough even for, even for some landlords just to maintain. There was one picture floating around, you know, the guy's like, I paid for my house 30 years ago and every three years I have to pay for it again because the property tax has gone up. That that's how much I get taxed every year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. So starve the tax man. Uh, anything else? Um, I just I just thought of something. <laughs> Go for it. Uh, what's his name? Andrew Yang. He's, he's talking about doing the UBI. Yep. Um, I think that's hilarious still. Um, so t to me, if let's say I have a job working, making 80 grand a year. And someone says, oh, I'm going to give you a thousand bucks a month for free. Like, oh, okay, that's wonderful. I'll take it. No problem. Um, the thing is, for me, it would just be, it would be a tax break at that point, right? Because, you know, income taxes are so much. And then, and if, you, if, if I get a, a rebate, it's just, it would, it would be like, why even take the taxes from me? You know? Sure. Well, we, we get into that math every time we talk about, uh, state employees getting a paycheck right like i pay my yeah, taxes yeah. too like no you don't it's, it's a math issue at that point right so because yeah, so, everyone gets it so it must be fair so for for uh, the middle class it would just be lower taxes for everybody and, I, and i'm for lower taxes so i, I so i say go for it do it andrew yang give me a thousand bucks a month i i mean he says he's good at math but a He's, he's not very good at logic, right? <laughs> so, so if, if taxes aren't enough to pay for everything that we get from the government or, you know, everything we get from the government, the government can't give us anything, but let's, let's just say they do give us stuff. If taxes aren't enough and they have to borrow and, and print more money to, to get us there, um, yep. then, then wh why do we, why do we even pay so much? You know, obviously, um, so I, I don't know what the solution is for him. Is is the solution going to be borrow more money so that we can give more money to more people or 
Well, I don't think he has a solution, right? Yeah. He has a proposal well, he has a for a voter yeah. base there that <laughs> is likely going to benefit from uh, an extra $12,000. Right. So, yeah, good luck to him. I hope it happens. I hope he wins, and I hope he gives everybody a thousand bucks a month because that'll just be, like I said, it'll be a tax break for, for the middle class. It'll be uh, inflation of the dollar, which I'm actually a supporter of. Like, go ahead, destroy it. Yeah. It'll be funny to me. Uh, but on on that spectrum, I I I I lean left on on that issue because um, I'm I'm open, like uh, Jordan Peterson would say, I'm open to change. I w- I just want to see what happens. Sure. And I'm I'm not worried about that. Um, we have other things that people can use to trade, and and uh, hopefully those will uh, prevent any sort of uh, you know Venezuela ca- catastrophe uh, here in the U.S. See, and if I I would have to oppose that uh, UBI system because I would it would not that it would be too much of a temptation, um, but I I try to keep myself out of the tax system as much as possible. Right. Oh, I don't, sure. I don't, I don't do the paperwork. I, you know, I, I keep as much as my paycheck as I can. Um, which means I wouldn't give them information to sign up for their free thousand dollars a month. Mm-hmm. Um, which means, uh, you know, everyone else would. So prices of goods and services would rise around me and I wouldn't right. have that benefit, the added benefit of the extra income. It, it would, it would definitely hurt anybody who's not, uh, in participating in, in the system. Yeah. Um, but I would say, Maybe I would sign up for it just to crash the system first faster because okay. I, I think I think it would crash. Um, and eh, yeah, whatever. I don't I don't I don't mind taking free stuff um, if it's if it's being handed to me. I what I disagree with is the taxation. Sure. So and and that's where I differ on a, with a lot of economists. So they they would say that. Uh, printing money is bad. I, no, I I think printing money is good. I think everybody should be able to print money. Right? <laughs> um, Just yeah, what let, what happens to the value of that money once it's printed? Yeah, and, and let yeah. the best money win. And that's the thing. Sure. Um, you can have some cryptocurrencies that are inflationary, and some that are not. So Bitcoin yeah. would be one that's not. And uh, and eventually everything would m- maybe be weighed against Bitcoin. Um, and but it doesn't necessarily need to be um yeah uh, you you know eventually a different cryptocurrency could end up being more stable uh than than bitcoin and sure it's just just kind of like gold you know gold is consist consistently uh held its value uh but in in number terms the number of dollars it's worth is always going to go up because they're always printing dollars so yep um yeah all that's definitely okay with me print print it until it's worthless. <laughs> and for me, I just, you know, getting back into that system, I go, uh, my position has always been, well, that's how they get you. you know, oh yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's hard to get off of welfare once you're on welfare. It's hard to stop taking the free stuff. Once you get accustomed to taking it, it's difficult to avoid it. Um, and then deal with the consequences of not having it. Uh, once you start taking it mm-hmm. and you know, so for me, it's like, well, if, if, it, if it goes through, I don't get the extra, you know, I, I don't get the extra thousand a month and I'm paying more for stuff. So I'm, I'm getting like double taxed basically, or finally taxed uh, mm-hmm. by trying to stay out of the system. And then if my recourse is to then re-enter the system, well then, then it's, you know, finding an exit for then to, you know, all bets are off. There's like, there's no getting out after that. It's, you know, y- you got me and I'm, I'm now a lifer. Yeah. 
Well, in in a way, I already feel like they they got me because I I am required to have a, like a passport to get in and out of the country. Sure. Um. So I don't know. There, there's. I I guess I'm more flexible than you uh, because I already feel like uh, there's nowhere else to go and no escaping it. I've been yeah. assimilated in in certain ways and. But there's still ways around it, you know. Even Bernie Sanders has found out, you know. <laughs> like, yeah, you do the you do the loopholes, and you and you. Can, and and you I'm know. not saying I'm completely out of it, but I, you know, sure. In in the areas where I'm I'm given a choice, I choose to stay out of it as much as possible. Right. right? right. Like I I have the passport. Not sure I'm going to renew it when that come when time comes for that. Um, you know, don't don't have the driver's license. Don't care. Right. Uh, don't file my my tax paperwork. Don't care. You know, file exempt, right? When I fill out the forms that are required for work, since I'm still a W-2 employee for the most mm. part, you know, whatever. Um, but I, you know, I put gas in the car, right? And I paid the tax there. So they, they get me in some ways and I get them back in other ways. Um, I just try to stay, stay out of, out of the crosshairs and out of the system as much as possible, but we'll see. Right on. Final thoughts. Nope. All right. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. Uh, Glad to have MC back. I think you. I think these shows are much better when there's two voices going back and forth than just me prattling on. Uh, even though I have a propensity to do that anyway. Uh, but you know where to find us: anarchistexperience.com, minds.com/slash/theanarchistexperience, and throw us a few bucks on Patreon because it still exists. Patreon.com/slash/theanarchistexperience. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll talk to y'all next week. Peace. <laughs>